People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. Happy Thanksgiving. We're doing Friday morning. I know. I feel good. Do you feel good? I'm so full. No, I'm still in a food coma, but I'm just pushing through. Pushing through. I know. I know. I have to tell you, I didn't anticipate to miss Southern Charm as much as I missed it this week. Like, I genuinely felt my week was less full without that episode, not to sound dramatic. No, I did too. I mean, they gave us a lot to watch on social media, which we'll obviously get into. So I didn't feel like it was fully missing, but I did miss that episode. Okay. So let me explain to you guys the format of this episode. First, we're going to start out with the Southern Charm social media drama that transpired this week, just because there's a lot to get into there. And then this morning we saw on bravotv.com that Bravo decided to drop the first four minutes of episode four, Salt Lake City. I was just on it this morning and I put in my Facebook and it worked so anybody could get it, but you can watch those four minutes and then listen. Honestly, it's just four minutes. So I would probably listen through to that part because I just feel like there's a lot of Salt Lake stuff to talk about from the social media and some things from last week. Then we're going to get into a little OC conversation, and then we're going to get into Sunday Night's Potomac because it was explosive. Wow. I feel like my entire life now is just waiting for the Potomac reunion. I cannot wait. Like I've almost had to block it out because we saw pictures of them there. We know the seating chart. Even though the seating chart, people were upset about the seating chart, but we have to remember that they're six feet apart like New York, so it doesn't matter as much. But now that I can visualize it, I can't, I can't wait anymore. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. I know. And we heard that it was insane. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be the best TV we've ever seen. Probably. I know that talk about something that you need in quarantine. Like that is a necessity need. Okay. So let's start out with this Southern charm, social media drama, because there wasn't an episode, but definitely a lot happened. So just going back to the show for a second, if you guys remember episode two of this season, Patricia and Whitney invited John Pringle over for drinks at Patricia's house. And in it, they're kind of talking about Madison. Obviously, Patricia would love Pringle and Madison together. And Patricia had made a comment to Pringle saying that Madison, quote, deserves Budweiser, kind of alluding to Austin's startup beer. And it was like a perfect metaphor to say what she deserves while simultaneously shading Austin, which I think Patricia will just take any opportunity to do that, correct? Correct. So then last week in real lifetime, Patricia commented single and ready to Pringle on Madison's photo, which we posted obviously the second we saw it. I actually think, were you asleep when I posted that? Because that never happens. You post pretty much everything. And I was like, you're going to love this when you wake up. Yeah, I was asleep and I woke up to like 90 texts. Oh my God, Patricia's comment. Got a format. Hold on. Look at this. Madison, help me. Okay, you're asleep. I'm posting it. And then I woke up to like 10 million notifications. I'm like, oh my God, Patricia. I don't know. She's been extra feisty on social, by the way, recently. I love it. So last week on Wednesday, in a pretty genius PR move, I think, Budweiser sent Madison and Patricia these giant PR boxes, and they both posted it on their stories, IGTV, whatever, and Patricia captioned it, thank you, Budweiser, for these great gifts. Everyone deserves Budweiser. Okay. Obviously, Madison did the same thing, not with that caption. Austin then reposted Madison's story and wrote, Interesting to see people who claim to love and support me do anything for money. This just strengthens my resolve. King Calling is coming for King of Beers. Hashtag Budweiser Girl at Budweiser USA. After that, 
Madison posted a screenshot of her apparent text with Austin and he said, and said what? It's just not nice or fuck it, take the money. And she said about time. And he said, should I come over? Basically a part of their conversation when she captioned it, truth is at Curl the Warrior King told me to take the money. Now you're mad. And then posted a follow-up story that was a picture of his coffee table from one of the episodes and wrote, isn't this Bud Light on your table? Question mark. So first off, There's nothing like when a little bit of a shady moment from the show then manifests itself into actual life because of the brand. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And the thing is, we always see drama unfold on social media with Bravo Lebs all the time. We talk about this probably every week. But for us to be in on like the joke or the story was a really unique experience. Like we knew exactly where this was coming from. Austin clearly learned about this like storyline and Patricia saying that from the same show that we're watching. And for them to go back and forth on social media, I mean, people were sending us as soon as Patricia and Madison got those boxes, people were sending it. And then a couple minutes later, Austin is responding. And then Madison was responding, showing us her text of him just saying, fuck it, take the money. So What that to me means also is that they weren't just getting sent a PR box, that there is some brand deal involved somewhere here that she could get paid for, whatever. Who knows? We only are seeing four messages of their conversation. Also, going back to the screenshot of the show, people had been pulling up this screen grab. I actually don't even think this is Madison's screenshot of the show. I think it's something that's been circulating because if you look I feel like literally a college professor. If you look at the red circled items, right? People were basically trying to point out that there were remnants of people doing cocaine at their house showed on the table. And there happened to be like 10 Bud Light cans in the fo- in the frame. So I think Madison knew exactly what she was doing and she was pissed. She was pissed. Yeah, she... There are some people where things can kind of slip by them. They may do something and not realize it. There's 0% of Madison that didn't know there was like a rolled up something that could potentially be used for Coke. Or she's just very intentional in her actions. You know what I mean? She's very sharp. Yeah. And clearly she'd been saving this. I don't know. It just, the whole thing was really wild. And they were going back and forth. I mean, Patricia, she's, Madison is commenting on Patricia's photo. Like, I can't wait to wear our matching Budweiser. And Patricia is clapping back to everybody in the comments and it just, it was non-stop, just they really were leaning into this. What do you think? What, what is your, what is your reaction to all of it in terms of, well, let me ask you a, a first question before you even give your response. Cause I'm curious if anybody else was thinking this. I saw some people questioning, is Austin in on this? Meaning, is he getting a cut of this for creating the drama? It would feel pretty counterintuitive since he has a competitive beer company, but I may as well just throw that out since some people were talking about it. Not that I, that, not that that's my theory. You know, I don't know. I don't think he's in on it. I think it's just a really smart brand move. Someone at Budweiser watched Southern Charm said, oh my God, this is becoming a plot line about us. Let's lean into it. Let's send them product. Let's send them whatever. Let's do a brand deal. And I think... At the end of the day, Austin knows he's not Budweiser. He just knows it. Like, we're not fucking Joe Rogan. We know it. It just, you just know your place. So I think if Madison really was making money off of this, he would say, you know what? Make the money. Like, it doesn't really hurt my feelings. At the, it's not ruining his business for her and Patricia to be posting Budweiser boxes. I think he, they're both so dramatic and will take any cheap shot that they can get. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know because it also seems like his story, the story that he reposted of Madison and gave his commentary seemed like the first time he was seeing or hearing about it. So I don't know if he's just like playing the game and Madison's like, what the fuck you knew about this? I really don't know. And I feel like they're in such a weird, shaky spot right now that we may or may not ever really get the right answers. Yeah. And also, by the way, what's going on in their relationship? Not are they together? Like, I think at this point we can kind of confirm they are not together, but what's going on in terms of their communication? When was that, when was that text from? Because if you see it, he says, should I come over? So when was this? What, like, what is happening? I I do feel like there's 
a little bit of a lack of clarity because you have Patricia commenting on one hand. Also, the thing is, I agree, like, get that money, totally. However, the reason that it's a bit of a fuck you is because it inherently shows that, like, you're preferring that over your boyfriend, which, as we know, is not her boyfriend at the time. But it's it's the type of thing you don't do if you're on great terms with someone, I would imagine. Yeah, and also that the storyline originated, like, we can't forget the origin of where this Budweiser joke came from, which was Patricia trying to encourage John Pringle to pursue Madison and making a joke about how Austin is lesser than because he's not Budweiser and Madison deserves Budweiser. So that, I guess, I mean, I'm sure would really sting for Austin, but just seeing it play out on social media was so interesting because that is so like on brand for them. You know, like to see a story and then to post screenshots of text. and But Madison only showed four texts, so who knows what the second one says to make her look better. I don't... Do you think this is something they would bring up at a reunion? Because I kind of do. Oh, I definitely do. I think I could see Andy having those on the big screen in a second, couldn't you? Yeah, only because, like I said before, this was a Southern Charm TV plot that we were all privy to. It wasn't in the past, if something just like erupted on social media, but had no connection to the show, they don't necessarily bring it up. But because this is such an extension and in real time of the show premiering, I feel like it would be a disservice to us for them not to include this. Oh, totally. I also think just going back to what you said earlier, it's true. You can't view this like in complete superficiality because it's not, it's a little bit of a loaded thing because whether she wants it or not, Budweiser now has an association to Pringle because of Patricia. So there is a little bit of this underhanded element that's going on here, which I think just if you're talking strictly from ego, from an ego perspective, how could how could Austin not be upset by that? Right. I don't know. This was really crazy. And I feel like there's going to be more even by next week when we're back here. I feel like there will definitely be more for us to report. Yeah, I cannot wait for next week's episode. Same. I got to know what went down or is going down with Pringle and Madison. You know, is that something that we're going to, what are we going to see play out with that? That's what I can't stop thinking about. Same. Right. Also, that's so true because this is not real time. We don't know what has transpired since the episode that we're on and in real life. Like, yes, we know the, the origin of the Budweiser situation, but we don't know what has gone down between all parties involved since then. Right. I will say, and I really do like Patricia, but she is a meddler like none other. Oh, she is a meddler. She's like whatever the Southern non-Jewish version of a Yenta is. Yes, exactly. My thing is, I understand from Madison's perspective that having Patricia on her side is a great thing and she loves it and she enjoys the relationship. And I think she really looks up to and admires Patricia. And I understand that. But it's almost like you could be on her bad side also very quickly, you know? Like it's the type of thing where you really reap the benefits when you're on her good side, but then you really get them in the reverse in the other way. And so I would just say to her, it's like a little bit of a delicate line. I feel like it's, she has that hairdresser thing where she knows everything and she gets to watch drama go down between her and other people. And Patricia has taken such like a mentor role to her that she knows what would make Patricia like disown her in a way. I don't know. And get on her bad side. Like they just have a really interesting relationship. I think Madison looks up to her so much, but you're right. It's like scary that you could just cross over to the other side. And she really seeks Patricia's approval. Clearly. They all do. That's the thing. Even at the base of it, even the ones that cannot stand her subconsciously, I think they seek her approval. I forget if it was this season or an older season, but I think Catherine made this reference. She was like, we are literally the cover of the InSync album where they're all the puppets and Patricia is the puppeteer above us, like basically making our every move and helping manipulate the situation. Yeah. And obviously I love an InSync reference, but also it's true. And for her to be aware of that and see that is like, it, it really is a huge part of how the stories play out and how all of their personal lives play out, honestly. Yeah, exactly. I just, it's, it's one thing because when you think about it in terms of a show, it makes sense. Like it makes sense that there's a character like that, but I often find myself thinking in real life, how bizarre that would be. Like what, there's just this older woman that kind of 
controls what we do subconsciously. Like that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like I can't think of anyone in our lives or really anyone that I know that has that type of person that has a thread through the entire group. Although they're kind of unrelated, they are related and their opinion carries such weight that it almost influences actions. Like it's a great story plot line, but it kind of freaks you out when you realize that's reality. And that Whitney is an executive producer on the show and that Patricia won't come to any reunions. So it's like she kind of drops the bombs and medals and then doesn't even have to answer for it. Like, it's just insane. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's it's like kind of crazy. We don't really talk about that enough. I know. We kind of just take it as it is because we don't know any different. Like, this is just how it has been since season one. And we... Even as viewers, like, I respect Patricia. I want her approval. So I get it, and I don't even know her. So when you really take a step back and you're like, what? Like, she really is the god figure to all of these cast members, and she hosts these dinners that are, like, the end-all, be-all, and, you know, they're nervous to come to her house, and they know that drama will unfold there. It's really is, that is what makes Southern Tribe so unique. Oh my God, beyond. I, I feel like we just figured out in the psychology class that we were conditioned by Bravo to not view Patricia's behavior as alarming. Like, I feel like that's what just happened. It like kind of is. We just took it as normal. Like we just, we signed on and we're like, okay, Patricia is the puppet master and what she says goes. And that is kind of the rule that we all operate under. Right. Because I do think that entertainment takes priority. And even if you don't like her, personally, this is just how I feel. People may disagree. I personally enjoy the show more with her influence even if me too you know like i just can't help it right like if she was gone i would be so fucking upset i would be devastated yeah wow wow patricia is an interesting character i could go on and on about her forever we need to get her on this podcast because she cracks me up and she's really she's interesting that'll happen keep manifesting okay (laughs) i'll wear a caftan and just hope that she shows up (laughs) Anything else you want to mention about um, Southern Charm or should we move on? No, let's move on. I hope that we have more to report next week. We definitely will. We always do. (laughs) We always do. Okay, we'll take a little break and then we'll come back with Salt Lake City. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, moving on to Salt Lake City. And again, literally when we were on BravoTV.com this morning, we just saw that they dropped the first four minutes. It's not like an exclusive thing. Anybody can get it. You just had to, I just had to put in my email address to be like a quote insider. So some people may not even want to watch it because they want to see the episode in full. Just personally, we couldn't get enough. I told Isabel on the phone and by the time I was finishing, I heard it playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, I was like, gotta go by. <laughs> yeah. It was like in a movie. Um, but before we start, I just have to address this. I saw somebody write, why were you guys reviewing an episode before it aired? Like we get that you get them. That's not at all what happened. Last week when we were doing episode three of Salt Lake City, we saw it like everyone else. Bravo TV said it on Twitter that they randomly dropped the third episode. So we just went to bravotv.com and it happened to be there. Like when you get a screener, you have to agree that you will not air it before the episode airs. So we would never, ever do that. We never have, never would. Um, and that's why we kept repeating like spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So I'm sorry if anybody thought that and if it's on us, if we didn't clarify that enough. But when we did episode three last week, it wasn't like we got access early. We just randomly saw on Twitter that Bravo dropped it. So I just yeah. want to clarify that um, to whoever wrote that. It was only one person, but I wonder if other people thought that and didn't say it. 
So just wanted to clarify. Yeah. And also, if you watched it normal time this week, you can go back to last week's episode. That is when we recapped it. Yeah. Yeah. But just in general, I mean, anybody that, now not that we get the screeners for a lot of things, but anytime we do, we know that you can't air it because then you get screwed. I mean, NBC, I think, just immediately terminates your access then. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't want to find out. So in these four minutes, basically, we saw the very anticipated conversation between Jen and Meredith, where Jen asked Meredith if she could talk to her separately. And she basically brings up the sleepover and Meredith canceling the sleepover. But really, what she wanted to bring up was Meredith hanging out with Mary. So it was kind of two in one. It was like, you said no to the sleepover. And by the way, you've been hanging out with Mary. And that feels like a betrayal. Yeah. It was like, my feelings have been hurt. You haven't been a good friend. I feel like our friendship is on the rocks and I want to figure out why. Right. And Meredith just had no interest in doing it in this location. I don't really know if she had interest in doing it at all. I think she felt Jen's points were really childish. I mean, she even said in her confessional, like, we're not 10 years old, which I can't help but also agree with. Jen, I get it that Jen was upset and probably felt like, you know, what? where does our friendship stand? Like, I feel like I love you and you're a closer friend to me than I am to you. Like, something is unbalanced. But the way that she approached it with these, like, really weak, points was not it. She should have come from the angle of like, all of these things have been happening. I love you and I want to make sure we're okay. What is going on with our friendship? Like, where do we stand? Versus you're hanging out with Mary. That means you don't love me. And also you're going to go hang out with your kids at midnight, like bringing up the kids again, which is just not ever it. Not ever it, but but that's what I'm saying. She didn't make her point clearly because she was talking about two separate things, but she was joining them together. If you're upset with Meredith spending time about Mary, that's one thing, which I also think is completely unfair. If you're upset about her canceling for her kids, that's another thing. So you lose all credibility when you start to put them together. And in Meredith's defense, which I didn't even realize until we're sitting there, we're sitting there, they're sitting there, that we, yeah, we're seeing Jen's confessional. We know how she feels about Mary. We know that, you know, the apology at Meredith's birthday party and their make, quote, making up wasn't really enough for Jen. Like she's still very upset and bitter about the situation. But in Meredith's point of view, she watched them make up hug at her birthday party at Jen's house and probably thought, you know, you guys are fine. You're not best friends, but everything's fine. Like why wouldn't I be able to just hang out and get to know someone better because you guys are, you're still bitter about a fight that I thought was over? Exactly. There was zero communication that happened there. That was, if I was Meredith, I would have been really blindsided. One, because it was totally the wrong place to do it. But I don't know if she realized it in the moment, but she's completely projecting. Like Jen is completely, completely projecting. She's upset about whatever's going on in her own life, which I do have sympathy for. Like she's very lonely and that's sad. But don't now take it out on Meredith for something you never communicated to her. No. And if even if she thought Jen's points were weak or immature or whatever she thought about them, there was a way for them to come to some resolve. But the way that Jen kind of attacked Meredith, it gave her no room to be like, I love you. This is not about picking sides. You know, I have to be free to get to know people, especially another thing that they cannot say is she's a member of our cast. I have to get to know her. I have to engage in some parts of her life and I can't just like turn the cold shoulder on her because of a little tiff that you guys had. And I know it was about your family, but it really, at the end of the day, boils down to one tiny comment that Mary made about hospital smells without even knowing any context. So when you really break it down, it's like this is causing such distress for Jen. Yes. And also the other thing is Jen really kind of screwed herself or she got whatever. I don't know if she screwed herself or just the nature of the situation screwed her because the two things that happened were kid related and then Meredith going to Mary's church. So those are kind of like off limits type of situations, right? As we discussed last week, you would think that going to somebody else's church would not have been seen with anger because it's like a beautiful, you know, expression of religion and, and wanting to share in that. So she was really fighting two unwinnable battles in a way. It's not even like she could call out Meredith for having this very intimate relationship with Mary. It was like, you went to Mary's church. Well, yeah. And that's not a battle you were going to win in the first place because there's nothing wrong with that. So did Whitney. And also asking Meredith to 
defend her decision to hang out with her kids, saying, like, this party, you're going to get home at midnight. You're going to go hang out with them. And Meredith's like, yeah, I am. And also, it's just literally none of your business. Yeah. Can we just talk about the last episode for a second? Because now that there have been some things on social media, I think that we're lacking context by not mentioning it. Yeah. Okay. So you guys remember how last week when Jen was at Meredith's house and she's kicking her leg up and Brooks and Chloe leave and the next day in Brooks's confessional, he's like, that was so inappropriate. I could see her vagina. And he's talking to Meredith basically saying like, me and Chloe are repulsed by her. We want nothing to do with her vibe. And everybody watching kind of was like, that's your decision if you feel uncomfortable, but also it felt a little bit dramatic based on what happened. Meredith has been commenting a lot on social media since then saying like, You'll just see what else plays out for why they felt that way. You'll see that wasn't the whole thing. And I just want to say a thought that I had that I was almost embarrassed to say because I thought I was being so outlandish, but now I'm seeing this circulate. So I just want to mention it. If you saw when Meredith, when Jen was kicking her leg up and down, she was saying grinder, grinder, grinder. Grinder is gay Tinder, basically. And I didn't know if when she was saying that, it just came across as like very insensitive and uncalled for. And she was saying something that they were not comfortable having a conversation about in regards to, you know, Brooks or Chloe or whatever it was. And so I'm wondering if that's what came into play. And that's why they felt so uncomfortable because she was being being very intrusive. Yeah, there clearly is a gap in the night or either either a gap in the night or a previous like situation or conversation that happened that we don't know yet. And Meredith commenting all week on social media saying that we'll see what happens and we're going to get more context made me really hopeful because I think we like deserve to know. And also I think everyone was coming after Brooks being like, why are you being so dramatic? This was so not a big deal when clearly there is reason that it became a big deal. I didn't even mention that last week because I thought that I was being crazy. I even said that to you before the episode and we were like, no way, no way. But then once I saw people saying it, I was like, that could be the case because if that really was what was happening, I could totally understand why that was uncomfortable and felt intrusive and, you know, isn't fair. Right. And also Meredith saying that there's way more to the story. I was like, okay, we're not seeing it right now. This is just, we can't take this for face value. Right. I also just think that in general, Jen maybe feels that she's closer to Meredith's family than Meredith's family feels that they are to her, you know? Yeah, well, that's what we said last week, too. What made it even weirder was she's coming in and saying, oh, my God, I feel like you guys are my own kids. And it felt like a really close relationship. So then for it to, like, kind of go down the way it did was so just bizarre. I feel like I... Meredith really loves Jen and I do think she values their friendship, but there's definitely like an imbalance of Jen either thinks that they're better friends that they than they are or is really sensitive to Meredith having other friends. It might be a jealousy thing, but it just there's something like disconnect. Meredith is so confident in who she is and confident in her friendships that she doesn't really worry about who's hanging out with who and Jen is just so opposite in that way that that is clearly where this disconnect is coming from. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Jen, I just think that there's a lot happening that maybe she's not divulging just behind the scenes in her own life. I yeah. also may as well just mention it. Did you see the Shaw Ski Chalet is on the market? Yeah, but like it wasn't really sold. It was sold like a couple of years ago. There's something a little bit off going on there. And I know by the way, somebody um DM'd us because I had asked that question about like her husband's salary. And they were like, yeah, you know, he's a coach. I'm sure he makes a lot. And I agree. I'm sure he makes a lot too. But even if he's making a million dollars a year, let's say even upwards of that, she has seven staff members. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of money in staff. So, and, and the clothes and the shoes and the house and like all the, and glam. I don't know. There's like, I'm, I need a missing piece here. But that's what I'm saying. A million dollars a year when you have two children, a house with that type of expenses, all the other expenses, you can't afford to then have seven additional staff members. It's That's physically impossible. So something yeah. else is either going on or a lot of this is for the show. Yeah. I also want to say a bunch of people sent us, there's like a Reddit thread about Mary and her church. It's like really, really, really long, but I did see it and I don't know what is going to happen. And if she'll be quote exposed. Like there's a lot of things that have gone on behind the scenes in her church, but 
yeah, I did see that. And I don't know. I don't know what to say. Did you see it? I saw some of it. I honestly didn't read everything. I just, I can't quite figure out Mary yet because this is not just about her. This goes for any housewife for any Bravo cast member, honestly, any reality television cast member. I feel like before you do one of these things, you have to weigh the risk versus the reward. So yes, fame is great. And yes, the paycheck is great. Although typically first season, even second season, it's not much. So if it's going to expose something that you knew was going to come out that you really didn't want to, I'll never understand why they chose to do it, like why it's worth it. And I don't know in Mary's case if anything is bad enough or if that's actually going to happen. I don't know. But I just constantly wonder that. Like, is it is it that people think that it's not going to come out or maybe they think that it would be such a good storyline that it would guarantee them another season? I don't know. But it's not just related to her, just in general. I feel like also when Housewives started and even like a bunch of years into the franchises, the internet, it was nothing like it is today, right? So if you had skeletons in your closet or old shit that you didn't want dug up, it was a little bit easier to mask it. And whatever your front was on the show and whatever you said on the show or on Watch What Happens Live was kind of what people believed. Whereas now, you know, Jen saying that this is her house, people in one minute were already pulling up the Zillow listing and saying, well, here's the purchase history and here's how much it is to rent and here is the furniture. Like people can so easily connect and also connect the dots and connect with people who know these people and people who are part of her congregation or know them in real life that it's so impossible to cover up all these skeletons in your closet or things that you maybe don't want the public to know that you're right. Like you have to weigh it before you become a housewife, a public figure that you're signing up to be and say like, you know, am I okay with this coming out? Am I okay with people saying X, Y, Z about me that maybe I wouldn't put forward myself? That must really suck. Like, I really do think it's only a certain level of fame that may be worth it for that. Because if you're, for example, let's say you're somebody that comes in for one season, one or two seasons, you really didn't make that much money because you know, they don't pay a lot for the starter seasons. And you, you're viewed terribly by the cast and by the, by the fan base. And then you're out. And now what? You got 0% reward with maybe the exception of a couple of Instagram ads because your social media presence went up a little. And now you have this bad look by the public for what? No, you're so right. And it's also different because a traditional quote celebrity, like an actor or a singer is working as more of a job. And the fame is just something that like goes hand in hand with it once you get to a certain point. But with housewives, it's like you are signing on the dotted line to put your whole life out there and become a public figure instantly. So it's such a different phenomenon. And even if you have, quote, skeletons in your closet or things from your past that you don't want exposed, I'm sure everybody does, you have to kind of know that they might come out. Even from the other cast members, it's not always from fans and social media. These women all live in the same town. They know things about each other. They know the the real deal. And when the fights get bad enough, there's pretty much nothing that they won't bring out or that they won't use as a dig to them. Oh, well, that yeah, they're brutal. They are absolutely brutal. They'll say anything. And that's why it's so scary. Yeah, it is really crazy. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, even the fact that these four minutes of the episode gave us this much to talk about just prove how it's an amazing franchise. And... I'm so happy everybody's loving it. I'm really happy it was a success because I think it's really scary for Bravo to start a whole new city from scratch. So the fact that everyone is like living for it is making me so happy. Yeah. I saw some people that they were like, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't get the hype. It just seems all so fake. I love it. I, I, I personally love it, but I don't know. It's hard. Everybody has a different opinion when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. We got into this a lot like right when it premiered, but you have to really differentiate. It's like a new franchise versus one that has 10 plus years of history. And you just take it for what it is. Yeah. Is a lot of it maybe fake? Obviously, yes. Is some of it that they've watched so many housewives and they know all the drama between other cities and how it works and like kind of how the sausage gets made? Obviously, but whatever. It's so fun. I get an hour a week where I'm just like, what is going to happen next? It's like a soap opera. Oh, obviously I'm thrilled. The only other thing worth mentioning Salt Lake City wise is the way that Meredith's been posting on Instagram about Seth and she keeps captioning it like, love the father of my children. And then 
not tagging him, but making her tags like, don't even think about it. So I don't know what's going on there. From what she's posting, I'm going to guess that they seem to be doing better and that maybe she's trying to convey like he's not on the market. So back off. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't really tell. I'm happy that they're happy, whatever is going on. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's take a break and then we'll come back with a few minutes on OC and then right into Potomac. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I know we don't normally talk about OC, but when I was watching Wednesday's episode, I just said to you, like, we've never really spoken about Elizabeth on the podcast. And I feel like there's a lot to kind of unpack there, especially in this recent episode when she was talking a little bit more openly about her divorce and her relationship. And so let me give me your thoughts. We never even spoke about it, just me and you. To me, she's like classic OC housewife. Like, I think she could have been put into any season of OC and like worked. I don't know why. I think she's not looking for drama. Her personal story is really interesting. I think this week they kind of had an intervention like, you got to move on from this divorce. It is defining you. And they all were saying like, we are exhausted about it. We can't imagine how you're feeling, which it is an interesting storyline. I mean, anytime that much money is involved, it's interesting. You can't help it. There's so many assets. She was married to a billionaire and now their marriage is over and they're trying to figure it out for five years. I think that in terms of her divorce, what's frustrating is a, as a viewer is not so much the amount that she talks about it for me, but also the fact of like, either you can talk about it or you can't because give us more or give us nothing is kind of how I feel. You know, it's like she makes a big thing about it and it's like, but I can't say a word. It's like, okay, well now you got us interested. So wait till it's finalized then, or just don't talk about it as much because it can't be your main storyline if you aren't going to divulge all of the questions that we want to know. I get that you can't legally, but then it's a, we're left in a frustrating place, which I think so are the other women. Yeah. I think that's their, their issue is the same that we have with her is like, she says, I can't talk about the divorce. Meanwhile, it's all she talks about. Or she says, my boyfriend and I like don't have sex. Well, actually, we did once. Well, actually, he's more like a friend. And she kind of just always is changing the story a little bit for to fit the situation she's in or like what will sound the best in the moment. And the thing about not talking about the divorce, personally, I think is bullshit. I think she probably shouldn't. It just maybe is in bad taste. I don't know the legality, but she is talking about it all the time. Like we know more details probably than we should. Imagine what her real life friends on and off camera know about it. I mean, it's really it's really interesting also to watch a divorce go down of a marriage that we were never like a part of. Like we've never met the husband. So now we're just coming in at a really interesting time in her life where she's still divorcing him but has a new boyfriend and she's trying to move on and trying to settle. Yeah. What I find a little bit confusing is almost like, on one hand, she strikes me as the type of person who tells it like it is. She's kind of blunt. She seems pretty down to earth and real despite her wealth. But then on the other hand, it's like, 
there's so many things that just don't fully add up. So I can't really tell because it's almost like she's saying bullshit, but making it sound so believable and captivating that I don't really know exactly what to believe because this sex thing with her boyfriend, it isn't anybody's business, but she brought it up, which is why everyone's talking about it. So it kind of, it makes it people's business when she brought it into the conversation. It wasn't like people were randomly speculating, but then to kind of backtrack on that, I don't know. There's something weird going on there that I think we will find out more. Me too. You're right. Because she strikes me as such a straight shooter. And I'm like, oh yeah, she's telling the truth. Like, you know, whatever I believe whatever she says. But then you realize that she says different things every time. I think that's the women's issue with her right now is they really like her and they don't, yeah, they care a lot about the sex thing, but it's more like the second layer of why, like, are you lying to us? Like, why do you keep changing your story? Like, what is this showing about you that you keep changing the story? It's not so much about the content of the story. It's that you keep lying and switching it up on us. Yes, for exactly, exactly. I also just quickly want to say that um, I thought it was great that Emily and Gina went with Rawin to the AA meeting. I think she really appreciated that. And that was like a tangible thing that they could do. And they did it. And that was, they didn't have to, but they did. And I can imagine that that felt really supportive. Yeah, I like that. That's like a really good friend move. That's a really good friend move. And the last thing I wanted to say was, this was not Shannon's best episode. <laughs> no. I love Shannon. I'm sorry. I love her and I love her boyfriend. This is just not it. And when she was talking to Bronwyn's kids so drunk, I was absolutely cringing. Oh my God. No, that was the worst thing ever because she didn't realize how it sounded. You can't go to the children of the couple you're talking about and being like, we had one, me and my ex-husband. Totally the marriage went to shit right after it, but you guys are going to be great. It's like, they're literally 14. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it just was all so like, I just was wanted to crawl out of my skin for her. I know. It was very, it was very uncomfortable and I'm sure cringeworthy watching, but he's a great guy and he handles her very well. And he definitely seems like the type of guy that she needs. Yeah. I like love him. Not a pushover, but also the anti-David Bedore, who to me is just like poster child of a dick. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you want to take a break and then you want to hit us off with Potomac? I thought you'd never ask. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, this week's Potomac was the conclusion of their trip to Portugal, and I want to do one of our favorite tactics, which is start with the last five minutes of the episode because it was so, it the whole episode was leading up to this, but it was really like the meat of what is going on here. Love that. Would love nothing more. So they're having this dominatrix theme party at the hotel. Last night, they're all dressed up. They played games, and Ashley had told Robin and Giselle at the pool earlier that day that she really wanted to tell Candace about this letter she wrote for Monique and Monique's lawyers, kind of assassinating Car Candace's character and giving a character statement. She wanted to tell Candace, but she wanted to wait till the last night until the trip was kind of over and she felt like it wouldn't ruin the trip. But she did feel like, I have to tell her, it's the elephant in the room for me. And now that Giselle and Robin know, I can't just drag this on any longer. So after the dinner where they had the conversation about motherhood and Candace having a 
child and Ashley saying, you didn't support me. They were pretty neutral. Like nothing really happened. They were doing activities all around Portugal. They went to the water springs and they were fine. They're sitting at the party, the dominatrix party, and all is fine. They're having fun. They were having sex talk. We'll get into all this in a little. And Robin makes a comment like, you know, this is really nice. This is the first time I feel like the group doesn't have tension, meaning like the people immediately sitting around her. And Ashley kind of turns to Candace. It really, you can tell it had been weighing on her. And she said, I want to be transparent. You're my friend. I want you to hear this from me, that Monique did ask me to write a statement. And I did it because I'm worried about what could happen to her. And said that the statement was basically about what happened at your house with the butter knife, what happened at reunions, which was like a really subtle, interesting fourth wall break. And on social media, the conversation basically blew up. It was Candace. I think Ashley thought I'm doing the right thing. I'm telling her point blank, which was the right thing at the end of the day. And Candace was like, she did say, even if it was in a pissed off way, like, thank you for telling me. But then the rest of the group, aka Giselle and Robin, chimed in saying, well, you kind of were doing this as revenge to get even. Yeah, they really threw fuel on the fire there. They really did. They, it was interesting because they knew about this before and clearly had been thinking about it a lot. But Candace was not happy and was really upset about what, what, how this was going down and that Ashley would do something like this to assassinate her character. Yeah, there's so much here and I want to go through every layer. But first, let's just go back to Ashley initially saying it because I have to say, I have never really, or at least I cannot really recall another time when I felt like I saw Ashley visibly anxious to have a conversation. She typically will say whatever it is with not one hesitation, like no matter how bad or how combative it may feel. And this, I felt like she knew what was about to happen. And I genuinely think she felt nervous about it, which to me just further proves that like she knew on some level this wasn't right. I think also because this issue just seems larger than life and larger than probably any other issue that they've had. Everything else that they've ever had issues with is like petty drama bullshit, basically, especially compared to this. This is like a really big deal. National news, lawyers are involved. Like it is outside of the of anything that they've ever had to deal with. So Ashley, you know, in social normal fights, I think feels really confident in her ability to problem solve and be calm, usually not all the time, and kind of speak her mind and like really work it out. And she's not really afraid. I think she's usually confident in like the way that she acts. And she she always like thinks that she's right in a good way. Like she feels secure in the way that she handles things. So going into an argument, she's not always or into a confrontation, she's not always nervous. But this is like, holy shit, like I am literally writing a letter for her lawyer so that she doesn't go to jail. Like this is on a completely different scale of anything we've had to deal with. And we know how upset and hurt Candace is over the whole situation that she clearly, there's no way she was going to react well to this and just thank Ashley for telling her and move on. Of course not, nor nor should she. I mean, you show me one person that would react fondly to that news. Because I, I, no. I, I can't think of one. I actually think all things considered, Candace handled it as well as she could have. Like, what was she supposed to do? It, this, this, was, this was fucked up because also, I understand that it's a television show, so I understand why Robin and Giselle said that because it was going to elicit a reaction that would have made for a great TV. I get it. You can't be mad at them for that. However, it did really feel so poorly timed. And if I was Ashley, I would have been so pissed because this was already a difficult enough conversation to have without knowing any motives. Like Candace could have never gotten confirmation that Ashley had a little bit of uh, malintent in this or like revenge intent in this. And she still would have been mad. So for them to throw that on in the moment, it was like, wait a fucking pile on. Like now Ashley has her back to the wall. Now there's nothing she could say because there's two people that are telling her exactly what happened. And I get it. They're right. That kind of, they were right. So I I understand it. But oh my God, if I was Ashley, I would have been like, Giselle, we are friends. Yeah. Wendy too, like chimed in and said, that's some snake shit. Like when you saw an opening to get back at her, you took it. 
kind of, I think it was Wendy's first time knowing about it. So that was her immediate assessment of the situation. But it was just like a pile on. And you also have to remember, in Ashley's eyes, the the even worse thing that she could have done was never say anything and let Candace find out about this through someone else or in court. So to Ashley, she was like doing the right thing in a way and really did stand behind writing this letter. I mean, her point is, it won't really affect you negatively, but it will maybe help soften the punishment to Monique, who is my friend and who has children and who I don't want to see go to jail, which her logic is maybe correct. But for Candace to hear such a black and white choosing of sides and defense of Monique, who at the end of the day physically assaulted her, was I can't imagine how hurtful that was, especially like saying it in front of the whole group. And when she's already feeling so insecure about Karen, which we'll get into in a second, about Karen being wishy-washy on her sides, like that really, it must suck. Oh, it must suck. Like that was just not, it was just a, it was a hard thing to hear. It was, it really was. Let's talk about the Karen element. Yeah. So Karen is still firm that she wants to stay in the middle. I mean, Giselle and Candace earlier in the episode when they're at the Water Springs are having a conversation and Candace is like, I don't feel the weight of Karen's support. I, you know, I've always been the closest to her and she's such a good friend and we were such good friends. But now for her to be so firmly in the middle was hurtful to her. And Karen said, basically, what Monique did to you was absolutely wrong. And I begged her to apologize before court. But there's things that she knows about the incident that they don't know. And they're all like, what? We were all there. Like, what is there that we don't know? And what she's saying was, I've sat on the truth because I saw Candace's statement because Monique gave it to me. And what I saw is that Candace admitted that she released the glass on Monique in self-defense. She called it, quote, releasing it. And I'm waiting for her to tell the truth. Both of them were wrong. She said that in her confessional, not to the women, but she feels like because she saw Candace's statement, she is privy to something that the other women aren't, and some of Candace, quote, fessing up to being more involved than she originally has been saying. Right, which I can understand. I can. It feels a little bit like milking it to me. You know what I mean? Like the the yes. the glass throwing or the glass release. Because yes, maybe that was wrong, but also at this point, Monique had already been playing with her hair. Right. You know, not to get into the nitty gritty of the fight, but it's true. So Karen was making that. She was saying that without actually saying it as a way to kind of like defend herself. And I don't think it carried as much weight as she thought it did necessarily. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah. it, didn't, maybe it did in court. I'm saying in the eyes of Candace or in the eyes of the women, I don't think it would have carried as much weight because they were all there. And whether or not she, quote, released the glass, Monique was repeatedly hitting her. Yeah. And a really like a moment for me that felt, that really humanized this whole situation was Candace is really upset. Obviously, she's upset about Ashley saying she wrote the statement. She's upset about Karen. She's upset about everything. And she was crying and saying, like, you know, Monique never reached out to me and it hurts me every day. And I would never do this to anyone. And that's when Karen started saying, you know, I begged her to apologize, whatever. But Candace just wanted to hear from Monique and hear that she was sorry and remorseful. And I think that is human to human, just the saddest part for her is forget all the bullshit. I never heard from Monique. And that's when Giselle was like, Karen, now you understand why we can't, we can't understand why you're defending her in any way. No, I agree. It was a human moment. And I also think when Karen kept saying that, like I begged Monique to apologize. And then the women came down Karen's throat and were like, do you hear what you're saying? Like she's a grown woman. You shouldn't have to beg her to apologize for a very violent thing that she did. Like there was nothing that Karen was going to say that they were going to agree with because they all have tunnel vision around Monique, which I get it. They witnessed that and they were not down for it. And I understand that. But like Karen almost became public enemy number one after Ashley. Right. You know, totally. I also just quickly wanted to mention that going back to when you were saying how Wendy came in and was like, that's some snake shit because she hadn't heard it before. And this was her first reaction. Yes, it's it. It, it was her first reaction versus like Giselle and Robin that were kind of primed. But also in this entire thing, Wendy kind of out of left field because she's the newest to the group, I think was the most upset about this besides Candace. Like I know Giselle brought security, but I think Wendy was like deeply, deeply disturbed by this entire thing. And so 
we've seen this real defensiveness of Candace that I don't think is coming from a place of loving Candace so much. I think it's more so a place of just so strongly disagreeing with Monique's actions. And so it wasn't a surprise to me that Wendy was the first one to kind of come at Ashley, you know, for that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I think Giselle and Robin are coming from it as more of a with more personal investment. So like they know whose quote side they care about more and who they want to be with. In addition to the way that the fight went down, of course, but Wendy's looking at it more black and white with no prior allegiance to either side and saying Monique getting physical was wrong. And we spoke about this at length a couple of weeks ago. Like she was genuinely, genuinely upset for a lot of other reasons than just the two players there. Totally. I want to talk about something really interesting, too. Going back, I think I was just talking about this with Salt Lake City, how once you're heated in the moment in these fights, nothing is off limits. And shit that you might know about women will come out even if you never mean it to. And Candace saying that Monique talks shit about Ashley when, you know, here's Ashley like standing up for Monique. That was like a really interesting moment. That threw me off, to be honest. Me too. I mean, but you also have to rem- think about, it, like, everyone talks shit about everyone at some point. No matter who you are, like, there are moments where you just don't feel someone or you don't agree with them or you have something to say about them. And it will always come back to bite you in the ass in these situations. Yeah. And there's two things about that. Because when Candace first said it, I was like, is this just her knee-jerk reaction? Because... That's a very normal defense. Like, oh, you're really going to defend this person? Well, I know what they said about you. You know, that would make sense. But then when they show her talking to Chris later and Chris knows exactly what she's talking about, that to me was like, okay, maybe she isn't lying here. But second of all, I can't imagine a more embarrassing thing than for Ashley. Like maybe she really just didn't care and can have that reaction that you just had of like everybody talks shit about each other. But if Ashley's feeling like I'm now really causing a ruckus in this group. I'm like making myself look like the villain all for this woman who now I'm finding out from her enemy talk shit about me. Like that must be a very, very not good feeling to have if that's the case. Oh, it would totally sting, especially here you are going against everyone in her defense. And like, you're right, causing a ruckus and making everything such a huge deal and so everyone's so upset for you to defend her and you also don't know that what the degree of quote talking shit was was it like a small gossip or was it bashing me you know she probably felt so insecure in that moment and candace like it was a honestly smart tactic on candace's part to belittle the friendship and say like well you don't know everything about her how are you going to write a letter to support her in court right which Honestly, for Ashley, I think while on a personal level that probably hurt and definitely embarrassed her and took her back, you see she didn't have anything to say. I don't really think there's anything anybody could say that could change her mind because as we know, this all comes down to the video footage evidence that she thinks Monique may have deleted of Michael. That's what this comes down to. Forgetting about Monique didn't say anything when she knew about the threesomes, nothing else. To me, at the core of it, she's covering her ass so that this Michael situation can be put to rest. What she outwardly says to justify writing this letter is that it is not, it is only to help Monique. It's not to hurt Candace. And I'm only saying things that have really happened and basically accounting for true events. I'm not, I'm not making anything up here. I'm just simply giving them facts about what has happened and speaks to Candace's character. But what's going on behind the scenes is, like you said, Monique and Chris helped us out when Michael was being accused of sexual assault, maybe deleted tapes. They wrote a statement for us. Plus, I just hate Candace and she has been aggressive towards me in the past and I and bothers the fuck out of me. So those two things hand in hand, plus with the ability to justify it and kind of cover her ass, I think she probably thought it's no-brainer. And those things that she can't say that the women see right through are what makes it such a just a hard situation to be in. Oh, it, it, it is. The whole thing is fucked up. And by the way, if we really want to sum this up at the core of it, I think as anything else in the show can be summed up too, 
it all goes down to like, fuck you, Michael Darby, because if he never did such a disgusting thing in the first place that Monique didn't have to delete a tape, then maybe Ashley wouldn't feel so indebted to Monique. And then she wouldn't even get be in the middle of this fucking situation. And Monique <sighs> wouldn't feel comfortable asking her. Sorry, not to reach, but like, hey. All roads lead to Michael Darby. All roads lead to Michael Darby. No, it's just, it, it, this whole thing was so unfortunate. I really felt for Candace. She looked like she got the wind knocked out of her. Keep in mind, by the way, she shows up looking so bomb. She kills this party. She's in that sick leather outfit with the sick eyes. Like, yes, I was, she walked in and I was like, you are killing this. And then to be sitting there already in that like vulnerable outfit, which I know doesn't really contribute because she felt comfortable, but just for the optics of the situation. And then to hear that like, heart-wrenching news uh it was it was bad yeah it was bad yeah um any other dynamics that you want to talk about that are not related to this this plot or other no i think we can move on just to other parts of the trip it, this was just like a good episode i was entertained from start to finish it ended pretty dark but it was it was fun to watch yeah no i completely agree you want to quickly talk about the embellished thing oh my god this was so funny classic housewives i loved it was so short but such a fucking good moment they're at lunch and like we saw last episode robin has decided to cut karen out of her website because the photos weren't quote embodying the brand well <laughs> which is the biggest bullshit i've ever which, heard like, hilarious and they were straight up like you know they're not youthful she's not showing off the hat she's not giving me the right vibes and they're all at lunch and I think one of them asked, you know, what's up with the website? And Robin's like, oh, it's live. And they're all looking. There's me. There's me. And they're like, where's Karen? And she's like, oh, Karen's photos just didn't go out well. And you cut to Karen in her confessional and she goes, thank you, next. And no one throws the hat on the floor. Iconic, hilarious, amazing. What a good, like, plot that Karen doesn't give a fuck about. Just a light, funny, like, shady plot. And we needed that. Right. Cause it could have gone really dark. Cause last week we were so upset. Like I personally felt so bad for Karen, but then to see her brush it off, I was like, okay, if she's not mad, I can't be mad. Yeah, exactly. Going back to Karen with her allegiance to Monique or her quote being in the middle with Monique, Karen announces that she is starting a wig line. Giselle is obviously so shady and is like, oh, she always starts a different business, blah, blah, blah. And said and she invites them to a launch party and robin asks if she's gonna invite monique and that's kind of like where this whole conversation started but karen starting a wig line obviously just amazing i like love anything she does and we see in the preview for next week that monique shows up to this launch party and then karen leaves and karen leaves i mean that's gonna be explosive that's like the first time we've seen them in the room since the fight no, that's going to be, I need to fully understand if what they were trying to convey in this preview is actually what happened. Because basically they were making it seem like Karen lied to the group, told them Monique wasn't coming just to calm everything, but then had her come anyway. Because if that's really what went down and if it was as matter of fact as that, that will not go down well. That would be, they would view that as a, I mean, Candace, forget about it in terms of Karen. She'll view that as like a forever betrayal. Absolutely. And also what the trailer seemed like was Karen is fully on Monique's side. Like she's trying to play Switzerland, but really she's loves Monique and she like was cheersing with her. They were by themselves, whatever. I don't know. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. This reunion is going to be so good. It's just incredible. Can we just like go through some of the funny, hilarious editor moments and just like think plot lines of this episode? Cause it was really funny. I was just about to say when they were at the when they were at the sex party and they're talking about asking each other all the different questions and they're saying when was the last time you gave a blowjob and Karen says that her mouth is retired. I thought she's always <laughs> gonna drop dead. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. And the editor's putting the eggplant emoji over the dildos. So genius. Yeah, well, they were probably like when Candace was holding it when they're about to have that big conversation. They probably said to her, "You got to put this down," because I don't think they're allowed to show it for like purposes of the show. And friends, so for Candace to be having this like deep conversation with, she would have had it with an eggplant emoji. I'm sure they had to come in and be like, "You have to put these down because we can't have that centered around." Yeah, like we gotta like move the dildos out of the shot. It's funny because on an episode of Dallas Housewives when they were on a trip. Brandy brought like a huge dildo and was chasing everyone around and they just blurted out. But something about the eggplants just made it even funnier and like so just a wink, witty, 
genius. Give these editors a fucking Emmy. I we say that all every single time, and it's true. I also have to say, I find that Potomac specifically is a very sex positive franchise. Like I thought when they were sitting at the table and Robin asked the question if any of them have sent a nude since they've been here, and they all say no, with the exception of Robin. And then Candace is like, No, I don't really take nudes. And they're like, do it right now. I have to tell you, can you tell me if you were thinking this too? When they put up that napkin so Candace could take a picture of her tits to send to Chris, I felt in that moment like we were kindred spirits. Yes, kindred spirits. And also like that was a real moment too where I feel like they really are friends. And also you're right, they're sex positive, but they're also comfortable with each other. And they're also mature in a way that they're even at the dominatrix party, they're playing these games, they're asking questions and everyone's answering it. Like nobody's too cool or too shy or too good for it or embarrassed about it. Like they really are just women having conversations and they're not afraid to go there. And like, they're just funny about it. And like, she's like, Karen, you're like putting the blanket down. Like I'm trying to take a picture here. And she's reading her text from Chris. To me, that's like real friendship. That's a real like girl's trip. Yeah, they don't have to fake it. That's what I'm saying. Even when they have their disagreements, they have their disagreements because they do have deep relationships. Yes, you know? totally. Any other moments from the episode? Not basically drama ones, but anything you want to mention? No, I just, Giselle shading Karen throughout the episode, you know, about her ulcer. Oh, is your ulcer selective? Also, when they film a music video for Candace and the editors, like, have it all edited together, like, that's, I, I don't know what I like watching more is, like, the drama unfold or just, I could watch hours of them just being hilarious and shady and the editors getting involved. I could watch it all day long. Yeah, when they're in the sidecar going down the on the way to the springs or whatever it was. Yeah, I can't. It's so good. I love those. I really want to go to Portugal. Wow. Okay, we'll go. Yeah. Anything else about anything? Not just this. Any franchise, any Bravo thing, any social media thing? Oh my God. No, I don't think so. Guys, I thought this was going to be such a sad week and it was amazing. That was an amazing week. I mean, this but this is what always happens with Bravo. It's like there's never a dull moment. Never. Ever. Yeah. Wow. Well, we love you guys so, so, so much. Please DM us, email us. It's comments by subs at Gmail or just DM comments by Bravo. We love to hear your suggestions. Um, thank you so much. Anything yeah. else you want to say? No. Just if you ever see anything like good, so many people sent me the Austin drama and like it made me so happy like i love when we're all involved in it so if you just see something interesting send us a dm yes please do okay love you guys julie and i will see you on monday for our regular episode